0: Hello and welcome to the Chronicles of Nania, a nanny resource podcast made for nannies by me, a nanny. I am your host, Martha Reddick, and this week we are going to be talking about oral health, keeping those teeth clean. And to do that, I have brought on Jim Radcliffe. Hello, Jim. Hi there, Martha. It's Great so- to be here. It's so nice to have you. I'm I'm grateful that you took some time to talk with us about this really important issue that, um, honestly, I, you know, I know what dentists have told me my whole life, but that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> those, those six months checkups is about all I have to go on. So I'm excited to get more into um, how to keep kids' teeth healthy. <laughs>
1: Okay, good.
0: <laughs> um, but before we talk about that, let's hear a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. Uh, tagging back to the company, uh, the company that I run was started by my father, who was the number 34 licensed periodontist. And the reason why I bring that up is because I learned everything that I'm about to tell you around the dinner table, right? <laughs> Great. Uh, Concerned with uh, oral health and uh, the fact that um, uh, most diseases, if they get over two-thirds or three-quarters, the Centers for Disease Control, consider them an epidemic, right?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Gum disease is at 75% of the population. Wow. Yeah, but medicine and dentistry grew up differently, separately. So um, we're just discovering that the head is connected to the body, and uh, there's a relationship (laughs) between oral health and systemic health. About me, um, I'm an ex-college professor, so um, if I ramble on, you are fully enfranchised to say, wait a minute, (laughs) let's cut to the chase, okay?
0: Great, thank you. Uh,
1: uh, 25 years uh, at... Uh, Iowa State, Penn State, uh, Florida, Atlantic, Washington State. You can sort of see the pattern.
0: Yeah, those are all very different weather, though.
1: And um, my background's in management. Uh, That's where I'm running the company. Um, And I've been doing that for the last 16 years.
0: Great.
1: Um, And so... um, a little about the company. Yeah, uh, it started like a lot of family businesses with uh, you know everybody's dog and parakeet helping out. <laughs> um, two dentists, my father and another one, and uh, their wives who were my father's wife was a hygienist, and the other fellow's wife organized dental conferences. And then uh, the kid, me, <laughs> and um, And a guy who worked for the Dial Corporation.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Soap and so forth. And had retired. And he added a whole lot of how do you start a business and get organized. And for the company's been around for about 26 years making closes. And the first decade, you could only get this product if you chose your dentist carefully. That Mm -hmm. is... If they went to a demo seminar where they heard about the product, then they would buy it and they would sell it to you in your office. The second half, we realized that people, when they run out of toothpaste, don't ring up their dentist on the Saturday night and say, hey, I'm out of stuff. Can you help me out? <laughs> so uh, we are now closest um, products, which we make are uh, the number one preferred Oral care product on Amazon about four and a half out of five stars in rating check it out Wow, and then um, we're in the top ten percent of oral care in the National pharmacies, CVS Walgreens and we're in mass like Amazon and um, and Walmart and in some groceries like um, Kroger mm-hmm. up your way and uh, Meyer stores and H-E-B down in Texas and so forth. So um, big difference in the company. The company today is, with the exception of yours truly, who's still learning on the job, um, uh, staff with a professional team and has a professional board. And the, the days of the family business are, are quite a bit in the, in the distance. But right. that's a little bit about me and a little about the company that makes Closest.
0: Great, can you tell us more about Closest, the product?
1: Sure, um, it's um, uh, toothpaste and mouth rinses mm-hmm. and they all have the same common ingredient in them, both the toothpaste and the mouth rinse, um, which is uh, stabilized chlorine dioxide, a chemical, uh, name, but let me tell you a little bit about what it does. it's it's uh, a uh, an agent that's used in supermarkets to purify the vegetables and this, you know when they turn the misters on mm-hmm. to keep uh, the misters and the water clean, uh, it's used in some cities to purify water. So it's really a common um, active ingredient. What makes our product unique, is it has to stay stable until you open it up and you're ready to use it. And then, you may not have thought about this, but when you put a toothpaste in your mouth or a mouth rinse, it's gotta go to work during the time you're willing to brush your teeth.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) So if you have a a really terrific product that's gonna help you with your oral health, but it's only gonna go to work six minutes later, it's pretty useless because most people are not going to do that, you know. So it's somewhere between 30 seconds and two minutes. Hygienists would love you to brush and rinse each for two minutes. Um, But our products go to work um, within 10 seconds. And how they go to work is they interact with uh, the acids in uh, saliva, and they also interact with... um, the sulfur compounds that come from decaying particles. This hmm. Not a after lunch topic, but you know, <laughs> um, just like your skin uh, sloughs off cells and produces new ones, same thing happens in your mouth, but faster. Okay. And those decaying things floating around in the liquid produce sulfur compounds that cause the rotten egg smell, dihydrogen sulfide, and, and bad taste in your mouth, um, uh, methylmercaptans. And so those products actually release the oxygen in our product. So we have okay. a product that, when activated, it releases oxygen from between a sodium and a chlorine atom, and that's sodium and the chlorine atom, once the oxygen is gone, go together and form NACL or table salt. Okay. Okay, and then the oxygen is released, and it can penetrate uh, oral biofilms. That's the, not only just dental plaque, but it's also um, uh, uh, biofilms that form on the gums and the teeth and so forth. And we can get into a little bit of why that's important, yeah. but our product is unique in its ability to break up a biofilm and then go after the bacteria that hide in that biofilm. Okay. So there are about 600 bacteria in the mouth, mm-hmm. and probably two dozen are dangerous to you. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so you want to get the, rid of the bad guys, or at least keep them in control. But you don't want to kill off the good guys. Right. So, Unlike most products, if you start off your morning with a morning yogurt,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: bacteria culture, right? (laughs) Right. And then you brush your teeth or rinse your mouth with most oral care products, it kills that bacteria you just tried to eat to be healthy. Right. Yeah. So you want something that goes after the bad guys and keeps the good guys in check. That's what our product does. And so it's able to kill those uh, oral pathogens that live inside the sort of slime that is a dental plaque, break up the plaque, expose them to oxygen. So just like pulling a fish out of the water, <laughs> uh, the fish is not going to survive right. as compared to pouring um, a, a poison in the water and killing the fish that way. Same thing for okay. bacteria. Instead of using a harsh chemical that is going to kill bacteria because it's toxic and perhaps toxic to us, mm-hmm. we use a process that releases oxygen, exposes the bacteria that are oral pathogens, which are, by and large live in an air-free environment, to mm-hmm. oxygen right. so they can't survive. And that's sort of how it works.
0: Wow, that was a very good explanation. Thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you.
0: <laughs> I feel I feel smarter having mm-hmm. heard that. Um, well, great. So this is a nanny podcast. So uh, let's talk about kids and yeah. their uh, oral health. So. Kids, you know, when we're nannying, a lot of times we're working with kids on a brushing your teeth routine or rinsing your mouth out routine. Um, when should you start brushing infants' teeth?
1: Yeah, uh, probably fairly quickly. Yeah. Uh, I would say uh, within within a few weeks or months, and you want to tell the baby what you're doing. Okay. Because you want them at some point to go on autopilot and do this themselves. Right. So you want to explain why you're sticking this stick in their mouth with toothpaste on it. And uh, you want to also be very uh, mechanical or methodical about it. So you want to explain that you're going for all four quadrants, or you're going, I'm going to get the upper teeth, and then I'm going to get the lower teeth. Then I'm going to get the teeth on the right side, then I'm going to get the teeth on the left side. For, for So you don't get the idea that just because you brush the two front teeth, you're done.
0: Right.
1: Okay. And when you're starting out, um, teeth begin to erupt about uh, – in their first six months. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when I said two to four weeks, that's after the teeth show up, obviously. Right. right. One of the important things about brushing is um, is massaging the gums, getting them healthy. It's just like any other uh, skin tone or muscle tone in your body.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You want to muscle, you want to massage them, and that helps them fight off invaders and fight off disease so okay. um you oftentimes the focus is on the tooth but it's really the tooth and the gum as where they're attached that right. you're, you're shooting for and you for little kids you want to find a really really soft bristle to start out with right. so as their their mouths are first of all the teeth are much softer than our teeth okay and then secondly uh, their mouths are not used to all of this stuff so just like combing the rats out of your hair after you've been in a windstorm. The first time you did it, you feel like your head's coming off, (laughs) you know, the same thing. You want to go really slowly and kindly and then explain what you're trying to do.
0: Great. Um, And then when can you, you know, you're starting to explain it when they're infants. And when can you start handing over the responsibility so that, that they are doing it?
1: Yeah, it's going to depend upon the child, but somewhere between 6 and 10. Okay. And when you do that, you want to spend six months or more supervising. Okay, let's show me that you can do this and let them show off yeah. uh, their skills in doing that. You want to pay attention to, um, to time. So, uh, one of the things is the four quadrants, another is there's a great timer that Colgate puts out. You can download on your phone and you can, and you can time and see whether they're brushing for a couple minutes because it seems like hours and you've only gone 15 seconds, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yep. so, so uh, there are a number of tools like that that you can use during that autopilot period. Of encouraging people, well, you're you're doing really great here. So
0: yeah, there's also, um, and I will look it up and post it on Facebook um, the the week that this is up. But there's also a uh, podcast that tells a two minute story to mm-hmm. help kids brush their teeth for two minutes. So, yes. and they, I'm pretty sure they put it out every day, and so it's a new story every day.
1: There are also um, mechanical toothbrushes that have timers like the quip toothbrush that have have timers They're probably a little advanced for for a very young child but as a, a kid gets more in their teens or their, uh, then uh, having something that helps them time the amount of time they're spending on it
0: Yeah, it helps me. I have a toothbrush that times me and it certainly does help. It takes, you know, just the thinking out of it so that you can focus on brushing those teeth, all four quadrants. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Great. And then another thing that I have heard and would love your thoughts on is um, when kids are really young, really letting them see you brush your teeth is super important. So that modeling aspect of including Absolutely. them in when you are brushing your teeth and then talking to them, not while you're brushing your teeth, but talking to them before and after about what you're doing.
1: Yeah. And this is something that, um, we don't do enough of. Right. So I'll, t- I'll tell you a little story. I saw my former dentist, and after getting my teeth cleaned, he handed me a toothbrush, and I said, "What's this good for?" And he looked at me and he said, "Oh, I know. You want me to tell you how to use it and what to put on it?" And I said, "Exactly.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: a lot of people don't know why they're brushing their teeth.
0: Okay, yeah.
1: Uh, you think it's the equivalent of doing dishes every night, mm-hmm. but let me let me digress for a moment or two. Give you a a Maybe a little wider view. Um, that well, let me also be college professor for a second. Yeah. You know, if you go back to uh, Arizona State down the road from us, there's an anthropologist who has skulls of early humans, mm-hmm. and the skulls of humans have teeth in them uh, oh. by large because they're hard tissue, so they survive. If you look at a skull of a human that comes from a group that was a hunter gatherer, you know, yeah. they ate meat and they went out, they don't have as much dental plaque huh. as people who were farmers because the grains have sugars in them.
0: Oh, yes. And what
1: happens is your saliva and your digestion break down sugars and those sugars then are taken by the bacteria and they make uh, the slime we call plaque and if the slime we call plaque stays there long enough it calcifies sort of like the um the um coral reefs mm-hmm. and it uh, you know the the outside's live but inside it gradually turns to rock and, you know, a couple hundred thousand years later, somebody digs up a skull and it's still there. Right. So you, he can look at the teeth of somebody who was uh, eating basically a meat diet, mm-hmm. uh, a hunting diet, and see that their teeth have a lot less plaque than ours. Why is that important to the kids? I, I am bringing this your question. Yeah, um, It's because good oral care is a combo between the hygienist and the dentist on one hand and you on the other. Mm-hmm. There's no way to get that plaque off your teeth that you have at your disposal. Nothing. Oh. It, it continues to grow and build up. And the only way to get it off is to have a professional go in and remove it. Because okay, they okay. can get in between the cracks and between the or between the teeth and behind the teeth and so forth and below the gum line and you can't go there easily. Mm-hmm. So that's really really important. And then after they're done, you want that biofilm to regrow as slowly as possible, right? Because it's the home for the bad guys. <laughs> so then you want a product in an oral rinse, in a toothpaste, that will slow that process down as much as possible.
0: Right.
1: But most people are just told, you know, brush twice a day, see the dentist twice a year, end of story. That happens to be an old Ipana toothpaste ad. That's the scientific basis for that. Wow. Now, yeah. And you know your, you know, people who have dental insurance get paid twice a year to go see, why? Because the appena ad made it very popular.
0: And they wanted
1: to keep in mind, they wanted to encourage people to brush their teeth more than once back in the century. And so they said, brush twice and go see the dentist twice a year. You really should see the dentist as frequently as your mouth needs.
0: Oh,
1: so, a good, great question to ask the um, pediatric dentist is how often should I bring my child in
0: uh-huh.
1: as compared to see you in six months doc?
0: Right. Yeah. Which it's also uh, frustrating, I think, that uh, at least the dental plans that I've been on only cover twice a year.
1: That's right. <laughs> That's right. But it takes you saying, I'm in charge of my own health. Right. right. And so if my dentist says, in order to keep the plaque from building up, I really want to see you four times or three times a year instead of two. Mm -hmm. Honing up to the occasion and say, can you cut me a deal if I come in? I know the insurance is only going to cover two of those, but how about a third? You know,
0: yeah.
1: it'll actually cost you less in the long run because dental procedures are very, very expensive. Yes, they are. And back to gum disease, uh, my father started working on the original closest formula. We've gone quite a ways from that, but the original, clo- because as a periodontist, he knew people hated periodontal surgery that right, involves right. cutting the gums away, that very painful. And then it's terribly expensive. So how many people like something that's both painful and expensive? Not very many. Not me. (laughs) So something that could minimize the need for that and reduce the incidence would be great. And that's how we got where we are.
0: Great. That was so informative. Um, so if you're talking about setting kids up for a lifelong oral health, um, what are some things that we can do, um, besides taking them to the dentist twice or more a year, um, and, and teaching them to brush their teeth every day, twice a day? Sure.
1: Yeah. Uh, diet has a, a lot to do with oral health. Particularly yeah. for young kids, sugars really help promote not only the bacteria that cause uh, cavities and gum disease, but they also um, create the in the food for those bacteria.
0: Right.
1: Bacteria live on converting sugars and into into slime on a pier, right. and so <laughs> that's what they're they're busy doing. So the more you you do that, uh, the more problem you're going to have. So a healthy diet that's the classic, you know, um, uh, protein and carbohydrate uh, and vegetables and fruits mix is going to be far better than something that has artificial sugars. Of course, the fruits have natural sugars, artificial sugars, or an all sugar, all carbohydrate, diet so right and modeling behavior to go back to your earlier point martha is key so if you're in there uh chowing down on those fries and and eating cheetos the kids watching you
0: right yeah yeah and then also um one time i went with some nanny kids to their dentist appointment and um The dentist told the mom and me and the kids that um, dried fruit is or, um, yeah, dried fruit or even like raisins where the water's been taken out is a lot worse because that water helps it not stick to your teeth. Have you found that to be true?
1: Well, yes. If you, you know, the same thing can be said. That's true. And the same thing could be said of candies Mm -hmm. Uh, a candy like a caramel is going to be more problem because it can stick between the teeth and hang around so you're just keeping the sugar in place for a longer period of time and that that's that's the problem with it so it's a very good point
0: yeah yeah because i know um you know raisins are a really good like on the go snack um and a popular one as a nanny because you can keep them in your nanny bag. Um, but just keeping that in mind that if they're eating raisins every day <laughs> or yeah. maybe if they're eating raisins, really encourage them to drink more water right then while they're eating that snack or something like that.
1: Absolutely, Martha. And, and the old saw about eating an apple a day is really true because the apple is uh, has a good balance of, of acids to get rid of the sugars and abrasion, to knock the stuff that sticks on teeth off, and so it's it's a it's a good good healthy thing. So an apple slice after a meal is not a bad idea.
0: Wow! Yeah, I hadn't thought about that.
1: Obviously, the the the, the kid has to be old enough to eat apples as right. compared to applesauce, you know, but. But nonetheless, it's a a great thing to introduce as the end of a meal.
0: Yes. Kind of its own little dessert. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, Are some kids or people in general more prone to cavities than others?
1: Um, There's that thought. (laughs) Uh, Most of the dental research would suggest that uh, both gum disease and uh, cavities are explained maybe 50% by genetics and 50% by environment. Okay. And there's a whole lot of variation from individuals to individuals. So when you see somebody who says, oh yeah, my whole family has rotten teeth, it may be Because of genetics, but it also might be because of diet,
0: right? Yeah, if you're all eating similar diets or
1: oral hygiene uh, Practices
0: yeah, that makes a lot of sense so take what you're working with which may be better or worse, but then also there's a lot you can do (laughs) uh, Day-to-day to help
1: absolutely
0: great, um, so You also mentioned gum disease. I would love to know more about that because I feel like a lot of the literature that's out there to read to kids talks about cavities, but it doesn't talk about the importance of of gum health.
1: Sure. And um, what happens with gum disease is like most other wounds on the body the first response you have is inflammation
0: uh-huh.
1: and inflammation is a natural response is a good thing it's the body marshalling resources to fight off an invader
0: right but
1: when it becomes after a while it turns from a good thing to a bad thing it, uh, the uh inflammation then begins to erupt into lesions which provide pathways into the body for the bacteria and places for the bacteria to infect. So long-term chronic inflammation is a bad thing.
0: Right.
1: Now let's go to your question about about gum disease. It's there are about uh, two dozen bacteria that are known to be associated with gum disease. And let me bear with me. Let me take it one step back. Um, most of our understanding about disease for a long, long time was under an old model, which is identify what the bug is, then figure out what will kill it, then kill it, and you're mm-hmm. done. And that worked really, really well for diseases that are external to the body and infect the body, like TB or plague. Right. But not from bacteria that are with you from birth. Okay. So the eighteen or so bacteria that I'm talking about, associated with gum disease, actually are with the baby at birth. Oh. Passed from the mother to the child through the tube. Right. And and there have been studies that show higher concentrations of gum disease bacteria. In the mom, result in higher concentrations of gum disease bacteria in the kid. Wow! And you can't—it's the objective. Unlike TB or the plague, is not to get rid of all these guys, mm-hmm. but to hold them in check. Imagine the concept of ecology uh-huh. in—you want to keep everybody in balance for one another.
0: Right.
1: So let me give you one example of one of these guys is named H. pylori and H. pylori uh, is associated with irritable bowel syndrome Mm -hmm. but it also is key to digesting food. Okay. So too much H. pylori and you've got problems not enough and you don't digest your food because it helps. So you see what I'm saying is it's very important to achieve a balance rather than kills 99% of the bugs in 10 seconds. Well, that's a nice claim, but that's not what we're working for. We're working for a healthy mouth, which has got a balance of stuff going on in it. Okay. Yeah. And most of these guys, as I said earlier, are anaerobes. They live, they prosper in an air-free environment and, the mouth isn't an air free environment until biofilms form and create that place for them to hide. And that typically occurs, or most frequently occurs, where the tooth and the gum meet. Okay. And so now you've got a biofilm growing between the tooth and the gum. And it's above the gum line, but it's also below the gum line because the tooth and the gum come together below your gum line and there's a, a crevasse, a little and they love to grow down there. Okay. You sell, so that's why you need the dentist and the hygienist to come in and, and clean out uh, and follow up and, 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 and do that. What those bacteria do is they first uh, create the inflammation response. The inflammation is actually coming from you
0: mm-hmm.
1: at your body responding to, hey, there's a foreign... Entity next to me. I don't like this Then as they move forward they infect the body and when they infect the body certain of those bacteria can exist in other parts of the body Okay So P. gingivalis which is like number one culprit on gum disease has been associated with all sorts of other diseases so uh, people who have died of stroke mm-hmm. and their bodies have been um, examined, they find in the artery arterial plaque. Mm-hmm. And inside that arterial plaque, pea ginger Where did it come wow. from? It came from the mouth. Wow. What, wow. Happened, what did it do there that helped increase the likelihood of the stroke happening? What happened was it was next to the artery, the artery said, "Uh uh-oh, foreigner, began producing inflammation. The inflammation in this case caused things to swell and contracted the artery, so they had more difficulty pumping blood through the artery and ultimately blocked and caused the stroke. So that's why it's not the sole cause of strokes, but it's a big, if you have uh, mild gum disease, you're having a very high increase in risk of stroke. Uh, Women, when they become pregnant, as part of the hormonal change, have gums that become inflamed Mm. and sensitive. And guess what? That makes an opportunity for oral pathogens to infect. So taking care of yourself during pregnancy and good oral care is really, really important. Right. Um, the statistics from the National Institutes of Health say that something like one in four preterm or low birth weight babies are to moms with high concentrations of periodontal disease.
0: Wow.
1: <laughs> yeah. So something you wouldn't necessarily associate with gum disease. Uh, as an outcome of pregnancy. But there's that relationship. There are a whole host of relationships with different diseases. Um, you know, uh, so it's not going to cause a preterm or a low birth weight baby, but it's going to increase the risk. And it's also going to increase the bacterial transfer from mom to, to, to child uh, during that time period. So that's why it's that gum disease is kind of an important thing to pay attention to. It's not just about having a white smile and fresh breath. It's about your own physical health.
0: Right. Although those things are important too.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that's fascinating. Wow. Is there anything else? Because those were most of my questions, but... I, I'm just so fascinated and, and feel like I'm learning a lot. So are there other things that you want to share?
1: Well, um, a couple of things. Um, for kids, it's really important that they uh, strengthen the enamel because their teeth are soft. Right. And so one of the most common ways is through using a fluoride denifrase. And some people don't do that because they feel their water is fluoridated. Uh And some people don't do that because they're worried about fluoride. Um, So I I thought it might be useful to say a couple words about that. First of all, if you brush your teeth with a fluoride toothpaste, you don't swallow it. You spit it out. So you are not ingesting fluoride. Maybe 10% of what you put in your mouth might sneak down your throat but not much more than that as compared to drinking fluoridated water where everything you drink goes down the hatch you know right so that's one thing to keep in mind another we have a a study that we just conducted on our toothpaste where we compared it against two other major brands and Just to set the record straight, all these brands have um, the same amount of sodium fluoride. So, sodium fluoride is supposed to strengthen the teeth and keep cavities from occurring. Right. So, I'm proud to say that our toothpaste outperformed the other two guys. Twofold fold in one case and three-fold in the other in terms of strengthening enamel and decreasing the amount of demineralization. That's when the tooth falls apart and you begin to get decay. Okay? okay. All of them contain the same amount of fluoride. How could that possibly be? <laughs> uh, the answer goes back to what we were talking about before. That toothpaste can't go to work unless it can get on the other side of the biofilm. Right. Right. So the, the key to closus is its ability to break up the biofilm and enable uh, the the healthy agents like uh, the fluoride toothpaste to go to work better. So that's that's probably one thing I would I would uh, I would want to reemphasize. Yeah. You, yeah.
0: Yeah, and that's great. I I um, appreciate that idea of strengthening the enamel, and I'm sure that's important for adults as well, yeah. um, although our teeth aren't as soft as kids, but it's still, we have these teeth for our whole lives.
1: <laughs> the other thing I suppose I would add is, as you're thinking about oral care, um, think beyond the brush. Um, okay. There are the, first of all, people ask, well, when uh, should kids begin to use floss? Yes. And... Seven or eight generally is, I think, what the American Dental Association recommends. Uh, Another thing to give some thought are these little plastic interproximal brushes. Uh You know, uh, a couple companies make them. uh, And they're great for getting in between the teeth. And why is that important, going in and out? And why is that different than flossing? Flossing's like a, a, a shining a, a your shoes, you know. It's it's direct contact with your teeth and your gums. But oftentimes there are gaps between our teeth that aren't reached by that floss. Mm-hmm. And so if you dip uh, one of these little brushes in our toothpaste, of course, <laughs> and then put it in between, remember, part of the objective is to massage the gum tissues. And those gum tissues between your teeth don't get massaged very much, do right. they? Yeah.
0: Um,
1: and the toothbrush is not going to go there, but the little pick will. And sometimes it's a, uh, it's as, it's easy to do, which mm-hmm. is another important thing. Make it easy. Make it. Yes. Pleasant. Make it uh, something that's really important to do every day.
0: Yeah. My uh, dentist once told me that she keeps a little thing of floss in like her coffee table and so while she's watching tv (laughs) she can floss sometimes
1: well we have a we had a a a woman who worked for us for a number of years who had two small dogs and she was very meticulous about oral care the dogs got used to jumping up in their lap, turning over on their back and she would brush their teeth while she was watching
0: tv that's great yeah I bet that helped with dog breath because that's rough sometimes.
1: (laughs) They have the same problems we do.
0: Yeah. yeah. They
1: have the same problems.
0: Yeah. How fascinating. Uh, Is there anything else that you want to share? I I love just picking your brain.
1: (laughs) Uh, Well, um, a lot of people uh, use our oral rinse Uh who are going through um, having problems with perpetual inflammation issues so if you have thrush uh, which is a fungal infection if you have abscess ulcers in the mouth or fever blisters oftentimes our product will help and um, people who are going through chemotherapy and radiation um, often use our product why first of all because it uh the mouth rinse doesn't sting, stain, burn, taste taste nasty. It doesn't do any of that, and so you can use it if you have a really sensitive mouth. Yeah, that's why we say we have the gentlest oral care ever. And so people who have uh, um, ulcer, abscess ulcers, or canker sores can use it, or people who are going through chemotherapy or radiation can use it. And what does it do? It keeps the mouth clean, and it keeps the particles from getting in and irritating the the inflamed tissue. And so that gives the tissue a chance to heal.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: A lot of products will kill the same agents that help healing, while killing the bacteria. And so they really don't help with those situations, or people will use them and say, I tried it, but it didn't make any difference. Uh, so, um, for those, uh, our product is distributed by Novartis with its chemotherapy drugs for breast cancer, for example. We're really proud of that.
0: Yeah.
1: But our products are great for everyday oral care. And so, those are, those are some things to keep in mind. Yeah,
0: I uh, just thought of this. A lot of um, kids that I have nannied, um, especially I had two girls that I nannied that joined a softball league. And they got super into chewing gum because that was like part of the culture of playing softball. Um, Are there gums that are better for kids to chew than others and uh or is there no really good gum for you
1: (laughs) great question yeah um the answer is yes uh any gum with xylitol in it is a great gum to prevent particularly gum disease and so if you're gonna get gum for your kids get a xylitol gum okay um Beware of other products that have xylitol in them, not because it's bad, but because xylitol is a sweetener. Mm-hmm. And so if somebody says, I've got a toothpaste and it's got xylitol in it, it's either sickening sweet or it probably doesn't have enough xylitol to do any good.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: So there's that. But for chewing gums and mints and things like that, xylitol is a great substitute for sugar-based Uh, for traditional sugar-based items. I do have one other story I want to share with you. Yes, please. I was giving a a talk to uh, a dental uh, society in Fresno, California, and and a hygienist came up to me afterwards, and she said, Jim, have you ever had any experience with using your product with Down syndrome kids? Uh Uh-huh. And I said, not at all, why do you ask? And her name is Cindy Andrews and Cindy said, well, I work with Down syndrome kids and because of their, um, their disability, they aren't able to communicate as, uh, as effectively. Um, so they'll, if they try a oral care product and they don't like it, they'll just bat it out of the person's hands but they won't tell them what's going on. And she said, I've been using closest with with my Down syndrome kids. And she said, the other thing is, Down syndrome kids tend to be mouth breathers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so they get dry mouth and they get inflamed tissues. And so their mouths are really, really sensitive. So you take something that's alcohol-based or has a strong chemical, and ask them to put it in their mouth. They're going to have a very negative reaction. You say, "How the heck am I going to get them to brush and keep their mouth clean?" Well, use something that doesn't um, sting, stain, burn, right, and that right. they use every day, and then you'll be in great shape. So that's my that's my 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 story. I hadn't. You know, it's always great to interact with. Uh, Dental professionals because they tell you about stuff that you never thought of until they brought it up.
0: Yeah. yeah. I also think it's good to keep in mind for all kids because there are a lot of kids that don't love the taste of toothpaste yeah. um, or or rinses. Um, they really struggle with it. And so keeping in mind that there's a gentle option out there in is is a great thing to know. And to
1: go back to your earlier question about other things people can do,
0: Mm
1: -hmm. um, mouth breathing is something that uh, people learn as a behavior and can overcome. If you breathe through your mouth, you get 20% less oxygen than if you breathe through your nose. And so you're getting less oxygen, you have less energy. Older folks have this problem, but the kids will pick it up and be mouth breathers, particularly if they're athletic and they're out running a lot or and they're breathing through their mouth and th- uh, they get used to it. So if you can encourage uh, a, uh, a child who tends to breathe through their mouth to learn how to produce saliva by swallowing, if you just roll your tongue back in your mouth, and do a clicking sound right now, like that, Mm
0: -hmm.
1: you do about three times you have saliva in your mouth.
0: Okay, yeah. I also love... uh, Saliva
1: natural protector there.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. I also love, um, not necessarily to produce saliva, but to teach kids about breathing through their nose. Um, I do a lot of breathing with kids, and if you call their attention to it, uh, they are more likely to form that habit. So we do a lot of yoga um, in my nanny day of just breathing in through your nose and sometimes out through your mouth or sometimes all through your nose or sometimes we'll close one nostril off and then close the other one off and just experiment with how you're breathing. So
1: yeah. And building that consciousness like you're doing uh, of how they're breathing is terrific. It's It will last them for a long long time so that's good stuff
0: (laughs) thank you (laughs) um well wonderful is there is there anything else you'd like to share
1: i i think uh you you drained the well (laughs) i
0: mined it all out of you well yeah (laughs) that is I, i really really appreciate this i i feel like i learned so much i'm a forever student i love learning about new things so thank you for sharing all of that
1: Oh, my pleasure, and what a great format to to uh, to exchange ideas. It's very nice.
0: Thank you. If um, a listener wants to find out more about how to get closest or, or anything like that, where can they find more information?
1: Sure. Um, our website is mm-hmm. www.closest.com, and that's spelled C L O sys.com
0: Great and, and that will be down in the show notes. So if you are driving and you're like, but Martha, I can't write it down um, yeah. don't don't write it down. keep driving, keep your eyes <laughs> on the road uh, and it will be in the show notes for you so don't even worry yeah.
1: <laughs> And on that site you'll find some tips about some of the diseases we've talked about and some of the ways to, um, to take care of your old health and anything that you're interested in, in terms of saying, you know, what he says sounds crazy. I'd like to see research to back it up. It's there.
0: Great. And good job. Whoever had that thought research to back things up is a very good thing to go after.
1: We, we kind of <laughs> like serious science and evidence-based, uh, and everything that we do.
0: Yes. That's wonderful to hear. Yeah. Well, great. Well, we end each episode with a fun, cute story. So I uh, got one from Abby Michelle Bradsky from The Nanny Hood. Um, If you are not part of The Nanny Hood, I highly recommend it. It's a great place for uh, nannies to get information and also just to kind of be with other nannies. Um, And they have a lot of different... Uh, resources for you so check out the nanny hood um she said abby said that she is a part-time nanny and a full-time emt and one of her little kiddos uh told her grandpa and grandma that uh this is a quote i want to be on the same ambulance. Uh, she said it like that, (laughs) as Abby and live at the EMT station just like her. (laughs) And Abby added that her nanny kids don't believe that she lives in an actual apartment. They think that she lives at the EMT station. That's
1: great. That's a good story.
0: Yeah, it's so cute. And I love that modeling, that very uh, important profession of, of being an EMT. Thank you for all you do, Abby. I really appreciate it. Um, and thank you, Jim, so much. I really appreciate you taking time.
1: Oh, it's my pleasure, Martha. It's been absolutely a delight to talk with you. And, uh, if you've got any other questions or anything, give me a holler.
0: Great. So yeah, if you are listening and you have a question, um, please email in to chronicles of Nania at com, and I will get in touch with Jim and we can get your questions answered. Absolutely. Wonderful. Um, and thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you in a couple weeks. Chronicles of Narnia is produced and hosted by Martha Reddick. Artwork by Noni Amadon. Theme music by Brad Kemp. Find him at secondbedroomstudio.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Chronicles of Narnia and on Twitter at Narnia Podcast. To contact us, email Narnia at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This show has been brought to you by Machine Culture. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time.